the help of the Lord, I will uh, talk about the topic, the glory of the Father and the Son is the same. Amen. The glory of the Father and the Son is the same. Let us turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 17 and verse 5. John, chapter 17 and verse 5. Praise God. John 17, verse 5 says, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. Praise God. Let's read this once again and allow the, the power of these words spoken by Jesus himself to sink into our souls. John 17, 5 says, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self with the glory which I had with thee before the world was praise God imagine for yourself that, that there is an individual asking the father to glorify him with the same glory that belongs to the father just think about it. Is there any prophet who, is, who has done that in the past? Is there any human being that we can think of that could, could pray in this way? The answer is no. You see, it is truly mind-boggling when you think about it. And had it not been for the fact that the Son is the Father himself, we would be compelled to call this kind of prayer a blasphemous prayer. There's no two ways about it. We have to be uh, factual. We have to be honest. And I'm now speaking to those who believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. Our Trinitarian friends, we challenge them to acknowledge this. You see, either Jesus is the Father. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense for him to pray this way. Jesus is saying, Father, glorify thou me. He didn't say, with my own glory, because I am the second member of the Trinity. He didn't pray that prayer. The doctrine of the Trinity says that the Father has his glory. The Son has his own glory, and the Holy Ghost has his own glory. All three are almighty, all three are etc., etc. They are distinct from each other. They're not the same. But listen to what Jesus is saying here in his prayer. It is recorded. The apostles heard him pray this prayer. He asks to be glorified with the same Glory. Can we all say the same glory as the Father? <laughs> Praise God. This is amazing. This is amazing. 
let us first note that Jesus does not address the Father as we do. When we pray, we say, our Father. Yeah, we all say, our Father. Jesus does not say, our Father. He said, oh, Father. Oh, Father. You see, Jesus has a different relationship with the Father than we have. The Father is the Father of Jesus' body. Praise God. The body that Jesus had was the body of the Father. The only body that the Father ever had is the body that was the body of Jesus. Whose body is that body? You know, when somebody dies, they try to use DNA identification to try to identify who this person is. If you want to know whose body Jesus is, the answer is it's the body of the Father. Not Mary's, not any human beings. It belongs to the Father. That's why when Jesus prayed, he prayed in a different way. Oh, Father, you see, my son can talk to me in a way that no one else can. He can come to me and say, Father, because by that he's acknowledging that I happen to be the source of his body, if you will. I, he received his DNA his biological material, so to speak, from me. So when Jesus prayed, Jesus prays in a way that no human being can pray. Can somebody say hallelujah? Amen. This is powerful. So, but we are not talking about the flesh today. I'm going to, I'm talking about what Jesus plainly said here. Father, glorify thou me. With what? Which glory? Is the glory of Jesus different from the glory of the Father? Absolutely not. The proof that the Son and the Father are the same is this prayer of Jesus. He wants no other glory except the glory which is of the Father. The glory of the Father is the glory of the Son. And we will talk about this today. So, the Father is the Father of the body of Jesus. The Father has now come in a body and prays in his sonship to the Father. Let me repeat what I said so you make sure you get it correctly. The Father has now come in a body and through the Son, through that body, the Father prays in His Sonship to the Father. These are not two distinct individuals communicating with one another. These are not two consciousnesses, if you will, within the same person. But rather, this is one God who plays two roles in one body. The role of the Father and the role of the Son. 
Let me repeat this slowly so you get it clearly. The Father has now come in a body and prays in his sonship to the Father. These are not two distinct individuals communicating with one another from within two consciousnesses, but one God who plays two roles in one body, the role of the Father and the role of the Son. Let's look at one scripture in this connection. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 19. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 19. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 19 says, To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Praise God. Just try to picture this. Think about Jesus' prayer to be glorified with the glory of the Father and connect it with the scripture here. And a picture emerges. See, God, the Father, is in Christ. He's not outside of Christ. He's not outside that body. He is in that body, reconciling the world unto himself in that body. So if we want to be reconciled with God, if we want to be reconciled with the Father, there is a meeting place. That meeting place is the body of Jesus, the body of the Father. The Father will not meet anyone anywhere except in his body, the body of Jesus. Where is God today? Where is the Father today? He is in a body. He is in a person. Who is that person? His name is Jesus. Praise God. So, we all must go to meet the Father. Where? In the place that the Father said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Praise God. The Father is not pleased if someone wants to arrange a separate meeting with him <laughs> because the Father is not separate from the Son. So when Trinitarians pray to Jesus and they imagine Jesus being outside of Christ, they are not pleasing the Father. Because the Father said, in whom? Say, in whom? Somebody say, in whom? Praise God. Where is the Father pleased? He's not pleased in heaven. He's not pleased under the earth. He's not pleased in the Trinity. He is pleased in the Son. Praise God. Ah, hallelujah. It's all beginning to make sense. The Father is not pleased 
anywhere else. Even if you say, oh, God is everywhere. God is in hell, in heaven. He's not pleased. He's saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God is not pleased in heaven or in hell. Lord. He is only pleased in his son. Praise God. Can we get that straight? Can we tell the world this? People want to talk about all kinds of things. But the father himself is saying this. And somebody say this. Hallelujah. This is my beloved son in whom. Praise God. We need to find that person in whom the father is pleased. His name is Jesus. So let's continue. So in what sense is the son praying for the father to glorify the son? In what sense? The answer is actually simple. But at the same time, the answer is profoundly edifying. Oh, praise God. Profoundly edifying. You see, God has been glorified from the beginning of time as the father. Can we say amen? Is there any doubt? I think this is a fact that is can be universally acknowledged by most people. Trinitarian, one God, whatever. We all know that the Father has been glorified as the Father from the beginning. Is that not right? The Father has created time. The Father created heaven. The Father created the earth. The Father created human beings. The Father created the angelic order and everything else in between. So the Father has proven himself to be the loving Father of all creation. Is that not right? Nobody doubts that the Father has been glorified. Any doubt about that? The Father has been glorified. Angels have been glorifying him from the beginning of time. Right now, there are 24 elders who keep falling down on the ground in Revelation 4 verse 11 and they say, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for Thou hast created all things and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Amen. The Father has always been glorified. Amen. Hallelujah. Has the Father forgotten to give us food? No. He is not a father who shirks his responsibility. He is not a father who abandons his creation. Have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Malachi 2 verse 10. I'm reminding you the father has a glory. The Father has been glorified again and again and again. Praise God. That is not controversial. The issue is this. Jesus is now praying and saying, Father, that glory which you have, the glory of making everything, the glory of uh, creating angels, the glory of uh, life and death, glorify me with that glory. Ah! Somebody shout hallelujah, praise God. Now we are getting close to what Jesus is praying. We are getting close to understanding who Jesus is. 
Never in the history of the world has one person claimed the glory of the Father as Jesus did. Listen carefully. Know who Jesus is. What a bold prayer to make. Glorify me. He did not pray even. He did not beg. He's demanding. Somebody said demanding. Praise God. Why? Do you know what? You can only demand something which belongs to you. The glory of the Father belongs to Jesus. Because Jesus is the Father. Ah, come on. Praise God. But you see. He has to now receive the glory of the Father as the Son. That did not yet happen. Are you with me? I'm trying to build slowly. I'm trying to show you. That up to this point. Say with me. Up to this point. The Son did not yet have the glory of the Father. You may say. What? what? This is something new. I haven't heard this before. That's why we are here together in Jesus name. Praise God. So we come to learn something new. Let me build slowly. Because we will not understand. This prayer of Jesus. This, there's, there's nobody who prays like this. Glorify me with the glory I had with you. From the beginning of the world. Wow. Wow. Praise God. Hallelujah. This is, this is not a prayer you can just say amen. You, your mind should explode. Bang. Boom. Hallelujah. What? What kind of a prayer is this? What man of man is this? Hallelujah. God help us to be shocked by this prayer in Jesus' name. So that when the mystery is revealed, we understand who he is, we can fall down and give him the honor that we give the Father. Worship him like we worship the Father. Treat him like we treat the Father because he is the Father. Praise God. Listen carefully. I'm going ahead of myself. See, I said earlier, there is the glory of the Father. Everybody said there is the glory of the Father. The Father has not abandoned his creation. The Father makes sure the earth spins on its axis. The Father ensures, ensures that the earth produces food for humanity. Can we all not say amen? Has the world not been glorifying God from the beginning for all of this? Let's appreciate the glory of the Father. Let's appreciate the glory of the Father. The glory of the Father is not up for discussion. I don't know of any church or anybody. Even, even pagans somehow know the glory of the Father. They may not call him the Father, but they know there's somebody up there who looks after humanity, who benefits humanity. A benevolent God. Hallelujah. The glory of the Father. Let's all say there is the glory of the Father. But now, brothers and sisters, now, praise God, <laughs> we need to understand something which we suspect, but, you know, we see through a glass darkly, but we need to understand this properly. When the Lord Jesus prayed this prayer in John 17, verse 5, listen carefully now. The Father had not yet been glorified in the Son. Ah, are you with me? Say amen if you're with me. 
so far. You may say, what? But we believe he is the father. Yes. We're not talking about identity now. We are talking about glorification. Was there anything in the life of the son that said, this is the glory of the father? You say, he was born of a virgin. Okay, good. What does that prove in terms of the glory of the father? Really nothing. Only he's not born of humanity. What else? 30 years he grew up. He was quiet. How does that prove the glory of the father is in him? Nothing. So. The glory I'm speaking about. Is the glory I just spoke about. Creating the universe. Hallelujah. Keeping everything. Sustaining life. What was there in Jesus to say, we can now glorify him as the father? That's my question. It did not yet happen. If it happened, Jesus will not pray this prayer. He will not pray this prayer. Amen. So it means it didn't happen. Bear with me. Bear with me now. So let's continue. When the Lord prayed this prayer, he had not yet been glorified. With the glory of the Father. All that people saw. Was somehow. The glory. Of you could say. A prophet. Am I not right? Why? Because. Let's turn to Isaiah 61 verse 1. Let's look at Isaiah 61 verse 1. This is the same scripture. From the book of Isaiah. That the Lord Jesus. When. His ministry was inaugurated. He found this place in the book of Isaiah and he began to read. This was his mission in his life. Listen to it. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. Let's stop there. Okay. What have you done so far, Jesus, by the time you prayed the prayer of John 17? He had preached the good tidings unto the meek. Is that, does that bestow upon you? Does that confer upon you the glory of the Father? No. Many people preach the good tidings of the kingdom. It doesn't bestow the glory of the Father upon you. Let's read point two. He had sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Very good. But does that prove that you are the Father, you have the glory of the Father? The answer is no. What else? To proclaim liberty to the captives. Oh, that's wonderful. But let me tell you, Peter has been doing that. John has been doing that. We are doing that. Does that prove we have the glory of the Father? No. Let's continue. And the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Wonderful. But does that prove that you have the glory of the Father? No, Jesus had been doing all of these things up to that point in John 17 verse 5. But there was nothing there that said he has the glory of the Father. Are you with me? Do you understand what I'm saying? That is why even the apostles were shocked when Jesus said in John 14, from now you have known the father and you have seen the father they said well excuse me uh, Jesus can you show us the father 
up to that point and up to John 17, there was nothing to say that he has the glory of the Father. They knew he is unique. They call him a prophet. They call him Messiah. They call him anything. But understand, there was nothing yet concretely to convince them that he's the Father. Does it all make sense now why Philip asked the question on behalf of the other apostles and Jesus himself? Now, you see, it's one thing for Jesus to tell them three chapters prior, John 14. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father, John 14. These are his words. We believe it. But now he's praying in John 17. Father, and they're listening. Glorify me now. With the glory that I had with you. Hmm, this is shocking to them. What? Now they're beginning to become nervous. You know, Trinitarians become nervous if they will hear Jesus saying that he's the father. They will want to leave church. They're not comfortable with such a church. I'm afraid even if they came to a church where Jesus is preaching and saying he's the father. And he's praying for the glory of the father to be revealed in him. They will run out of that church. Because they love Jesus. But they don't love him as the father. They can tolerate anything Jesus says, but they cannot tolerate that he says he's the father. There is a limit to their revelation. They limit Jesus in what revelation he wants to give them. Brothers and sisters, are we willing to go all the way? Are we willing to let Jesus show us that he's the father? Hallelujah. It's you and I who decide. How much of the identity of Jesus we will see, we will know. Amen. So let me continue. So I've shown you up to this point, Jesus only spoke about the fact that he is the Father. But there was nothing yet to con conclusively prove that he's the Father. That's why he prayed this prayer. Glorify. The time has come now, Father. Hallelujah. Let all these apostles know that the glory that I have is the same glory that you have. Wow. My goodness. You know, when I, we've walked a long time with the Lord. I have seen Jesus. But let me tell you, to hear these words does something to your soul. Ha! Praise God. Imagine an individual in flesh and blood making such a prayer, daring to pray such a prayer. Hallelujah. Surely there's something unique about Jesus and we need to find out. And we are going to find out. Listen, the question I was asking in this message is, what new thing did the Father accomplish in the Son? What? Up to this point, the answer is nothing. The father has always been doing these works among his people. Many servants of God did similar things, although not to the extent and the magnitude of the Lord Jesus. So does fulfilling Isaiah 61 verse 1 confer the glory of the father upon the son? The answer is no. Had that been the case, 
the son would not have prayed at that particular moment, glorify thou me with thine own self. Can you repeat these words with me? They're powerful. I, I would love if Trinitarians would try to practice repeating this. It's from the Bible. Amen. This is not, uh, this is not some uh, heresy from one God believers. Yeah? This is John 17, 5. Glorify thou me with thine own self. Ah. Can I tell my father, if he was alive today, father, can you glorify me with your own self? My father will say, it's time to see a psychic, psychiatrist, my son. I am not you and you are not me and my glory will never be your glory. And I can never, I can bask in your glory and your accomplishments, my son. But now let's not become schizophrenic. I am not you and you are not me. Michael Jackson sang a song. You're just another part of me. That is heavy occultism. Occultism. There is a Hindu philosophy that says we're all part of one another. You know, this pantheism. Yeah. Let me tell you, I am not you. You are not me. Amen. Thank God for that. I believe in the sanctity of the human being. We're all made in the image of God. We're all made different. Even identical twins have different fingerprints. Did you know that? Identical twins from the same egg see the glory of God. God loves uh, individuals to be different. Celebrate the way God made you. Amen. When I say celebrate, you know, uh, there's all kinds of crazy ways that today people are expressing the individuality. I'm saying glorify God for the way he made you different from others. Not in a bad way, but thank God I'm not you. Thank God you are not me, praise God. Amen. So, now Jesus is not speaking that way. He is claiming Sameness. Somebody say sameness with the Father. I don't even like the word oneness because it's been corrupted by Trinitarian theology. By oneness, they say the three are one, but at the same time, they're distinct. No, we don't believe in that oneness. It's not in the Bible. See, please listen to me. So I, I ask for, I apologize if I, if I'm, I sound like a, you know, uh, uh, I'm beating a dead horse here. Uh, sorry, no no uh, offense meant to anybody here. No dead horses here. But listen, why would Jesus pray, Father, glorify thou me with thine own self? Hmm. He doesn't want any other glory. He doesn't claim any other glory. The only glory he wants is the same glory he had before. Ah, say before with the Father. But somehow he does not have it now, not yet. It has not been manifested. Huh? Are you with me? It's coming. It's not yet there. The world doesn't know it. He knows it. That he is the same as the father. The father is in him. He told Philip. But Philip must have been thinking, uh, thank you. Uh, I hear you. But, uh, mm, uh, you know, what proof? Anybody can say they're the father. So now Jesus prays. 
glorify thou me with the glory. There is a glory coming. There's going to come a glory which will make it clear for everybody that he is the Father. Amen. That's where we are. So let's continue slowly. Once, hopefully this is sunk in and we're understanding this prayer of Jesus. So where do we begin now? Now we come to the exciting part. <laughs> well, let me begin by telling you that the one glory that Jesus was talking about, which would determine, ascertain once and for all that he himself has the glory of the Father, is if he can raise himself up from the dead. Did you hear me? Praise God. Just think about it. Think about it. Up to that point, Jesus did not demonstrate this glory. What is that glory that can, you know, let me tell you. Jesus could create a new heaven and a new earth. But that would only mean maybe he's another God or he inherited that power to be God or he is a second member of God, whatever. But there is one thing that he was praying for, which once it would happen, it would be clear beyond a shadow of doubt that he has the glory of the Father. What glory is this? And we come back to what we have to consider to be the greatest glory. What is it? Resurrect yourself from the dead. Is there anybody who can do this? Show that you have power over death and you are the source of eternal life. Are you with me? Praise God. Can Satan show us today? We, we talk about Satan. Oh, Satan is it. Satan is it. Satan does this. Satan, Satan, Satan. Has Satan resurrected him? One person? One of his followers? Where is the Lazarus of Satan? Who? What power can resurrect someone from the dead? Only God. Only the Father. Listen to what I'm saying. Even Elijah, Elisha, had to beg God. He laid his body, spread eagle over the child, was intensely praying to the father, Father, you cannot abandon the Shunammite woman's son now. I beg you, raise this child. Let me tell you, there is one glory of the Father that can never, ever, hallelujah, be copied, be corrupted, be touched. It is the power to resurrect from the dead. The power of a death. The power of eternal life. And now Jesus is praying that prayer. Father, hallelujah. He spoke about this all the time. And now, in John 2.19, he told the Jews, let's turn to John 19. Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Come on now, hallelujah, praise God. Hmm. It shocked the living daylights out of everyone. What kind of a speech is this? What is this man saying? 
He's claiming to be the father. Yes. There is that glory that only the father has. And Jesus prayed it before he went to Golgotha, brothers and sisters. Because after this prayer, he's arrested. He's taken to Pilate. All of this was the beginning of him, that prayer being answered, that he is the father. Hallelujah. Can anybody here resurrect themselves up from the dead? If you can, you have the glory of the father. Amen. Only God has the power to kill. And God has the power to raise you up from the dead. Praise God. You know, many people can kill also. Humans can kill. Satan can kill. Nature can kill. There are many forces that can kill. But only the Father can raise up. Only the Father can raise up from the dead. Life and eternal life is in the hands of the Father. And now Jesus thunders in that prayer and says, Now is the time come. Hallelujah. That everyone will see that he has the glory of the Father. He didn't say, Father, I pray you raise me up from the dead. Because I can't do it. No. By saying, destroy this temple. And in three days, ha, praise God. He knew exactly when he would raise himself up from the dead. He decides when he will lay down his life and when he will take it up. Imagine somebody coming to and saying, uh, you know, tomorrow I feel uh, like dying. And then uh, I think in one week, no, maybe two weeks, I'll raise myself up. Yeah, you'll see me again. You know, that, that, <laughs> that's, that's not how we operate. But Jesus operated that way. He was the only person who could decide the time of his death, who would strike that blow and when he would rise up from the dead because he is the father. He is the father of his own flesh. He is the father of his son. He is the father of his own body, of his own temple. Praise God. Hallelujah. And let me take you to another scripture. Isaiah 26 verse 19. Isaiah 26 verse 19. Isaiah 26 verse 19. This is why brothers and sisters. Jesus keeps telling us. Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. And can do nothing more. Who is speaking to you? The one who has all power. Over life and death. The father himself is telling you this. Why are you afraid of those who kill the body and can do nothing? But let's look at Isaiah 26, 19. Isaiah 26, 19 says, Thy dead men shall live together with my dead body. Somebody shout, my dead body. Somebody shout, my dead body. Listen to what God is saying. Thy dead men shall live Together with my dead body shall they arise. Awake and sing, ye that dwell in dust. For thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Ah, oh, hallelujah. Praise. Are you with me? Somebody says, oh, my Bible does not say it. Uh, I like to joke with such people and say, uh, 
I think that's why we all would love everyone to become a subject of King James. Hallelujah. Get a King James Bible in <laughs> That's just uh, it's a joke. But uh, the King James Bible in English says, Thy dead men shall live. God is speaking in the Old Testament. This is a prophecy about the resurrection of Jesus. And this is what the Hebrew says, together with my dead body. If your Bible doesn't say it, it's not correct. I'm telling you straight. Because what happened in Matthew 26 and 27? This prophecy was fulfilled. When Jesus resurrected from the dead, what happened? Thy dead men live. Are you with me? So if your Bible says something else, your Bible is not correct. I'm sorry. It's not a correct version. So the Bible tells us, we know this, that when Jesus rose up from the dead, then the dead people who were in the graves came out of the graves. They were just waiting for Jesus, the one person, hallelujah, to come out of the grave. And the moment the Lord himself came out of the grave, all thy dead men came out of the grave. So if your Bible is saying something else, because I, I, I've never understood why Bibles don't interpret, uh, 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 translate this correctly, uh, then your that translation is wrong. So we understand and we know that the moment our Lord Jesus Christ was crucified, this one body, as the scripture says in Matthew 26, it's so in Matthew 27, 28, you can read about the fact that the moment he died and the Bible says when he was resurrected, praise God. It's not only, you know, the uh, that moment the Lord laid down his life, but the moment he resurrected from the dead, then suddenly all these people began to come out from the graves, fulfilling this mighty uh, prophecy. Hallelujah. The people who came out of their graves went into the city and showed themselves to many people. Hallelujah. So we need to understand that it is clear here that Jesus is the father because as I submitted uh, to you earlier, uh, what, what way can Jesus show? Let's look at Matthew 27, 53. For those who are wondering, uh, where is this scripture uh, fulfilled? Let's go to uh, Matthew 27, verses 52 and 53. Matthew 27, 52 and 53 says, And the graves were open, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose, and came out of the graves after his, somebody say his. That means all these bodies were waiting for one body. Yeah. After his resurrection, went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Are you with me? Is uh, the case clear? So if your Bible is saying something else in Matthew 26, 19, I, I really don't know why. Because uh, some translations try to say over there, and I know it's in Amharic, Tigrinya, but let me tell you, it's all wrong. The right translation is the King James here because the King James is clear. It's saying, your dead men will arise together with my dead body. So when what happened in Matthew 27? The dead body of Jesus rose up and that dead body of Jesus is the body of God. 
Hallelujah. Please make sure that you say Jesus died, yeah? Because if you say Jesus didn't die, you're just blaspheming against all these scriptures. The Bible is saying, with my dead body. How can you say Jesus died, but he was not dead? We have to make up your mind. Either he died or he didn't die. Jesus died. Amen. His body is called the dead body. Amen. Otherwise, we're in trouble. And we don't joke with false doctrine. I'm telling you straight in Jesus' name. So, don't let the devil come in. He will destroy you with false teachings. So, listen now. The Bible is saying, because I don't want to fight Isaiah. I don't want to fight Matthew. Amen. I don't want to add to the word of God. It's dangerous. Listen, Jesus died. God is saying, your dead men will arise together with my dead body. Can somebody say dead body? Amen. So, the dead body, who raised that dead body? The father. Somebody say the father. Now, where is the son? The son is dead. He's in the grave. Now, we need to know who the father, who the life in that son is. Whose body is this? And guess what? On the third day, just as Jesus said in John 2.19, he himself came down into that body. Who was living in that body the whole time? Say with me, the father, the father. And now the father was going to glorify himself as the son. Huh? See, he was already glorified as the father. But he needed to be glorified as the son. Not two separate persons, the same person. So now the father descends into that body, raises it up. His body, his temple, praise God. He warned everybody. He told them, destroy this temple. In three days, you will see what I do. Now, this is the same Jesus. Please understand one thing when we say temple, temple, yeah? Let's look at John 2.19 again. There is a powerful revelation here. John 2.19 says, Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple. In three days, I will raise it up. You know what the word destroy here means? Kill it. Jesus died. Say Jesus died. Don't say anything else. Say he died. Finish. Amen. Now, understand that the glory of the Father's own self is power over death and eternal life. This is the Father's glory in the Bible. If the son had the power to raise his own body up from the dead after three days, as he claimed, he would demonstrate convincingly that he had the glory of the father. Are you with me now? Let me repeat. If the son had the power to raise his own body up from the dead after three days, as he claimed, he would demonstrate beyond a shadow of doubt that he himself had the glory of the father. This is, brothers and sisters, the ultimate proof of fatherhood. Divine fatherhood. To demonstrate sovereignty over death and eternal life. What is greater than that? What is greater than that? There are all kinds of powers operating in the universe today. The apostle Paul listed some of them. 
He said, we wrestle not against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. But none of these powers can reverse death. None of these powers can bestow eternal life. Like I asked earlier, has Satan ever raised one of his followers from the dead? Never. And he can never do it. Only if the father possesses this unique power. And now Jesus was openly praying in John 17, 5, that the father would show once and for all that the son is the same person as the father in demonstrating the son's power over death and eternal life. If the son can demonstrate the same power, then the son is the father himself. Are you with me? Praise God. Some, somebody shout hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. The father was going to demonstrate that the son is the father. By giving or as the son, he would raise his own body. Maybe I should approach this. Revelation from a more fresh and metaphorical perspective. Yeah, another angle. Remember the argument the Lord had with the Jews who were doing business in the temple. Yeah, in John two nineteen. What, uh, what what happened beforehand, which led the Lord to say, "Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it." Consider carefully what they asked the Lord to do. You know what they said in John 2.18? Let's look at John 2.18. In John chapter 2 and verse 18, the Bible says, Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Listen to that question. What sign? We know what Jesus did. But keep in mind, we know what he did. What did he do? He made a whip. <laughs> he became violent. He chastised these people physically. Now, that's not the issue. The issue is, listen to how he justified his actions. Jesus said, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. John 2.16. Don't make my father's house. So the Jews noted that he called the temple my father's house. However, what they missed out on, and listen carefully, what they were not paying attention to, they missed out on this revelation, was that he was speaking of his own body. Are you with me? Because John 2.21 says, he spake of the temple of his own body. In other words, and now listen, I'll tie it together. The Lord was basically saying, I will prove to you that I am the Father himself when I have raised up this temple, this body of the Father from the dead in three days. You see, the Father is in the Son. And so it should come as no surprise that the Son slash his flesh, his body, is called my Father's house. Ah, maybe you didn't see it this way before. In other words, when Jesus says, this is my father's house. And then he says the temple is 
his father's house. And then he says, I will raise this temple up in three days. Do you see the connection? Put it all together. What is he trying to say? He is trying to tell them that you cannot do business with the father's body. He's speaking about his body. We miss out on that connection. Are you with me? Maybe I should go back a little bit. Uh, it may be a, a bit too much. Listen. When Jesus is saying, you cannot do merchandise with the Father's temple, he's also speaking about his body. The Father is zealous for his temple, his flesh, his blood. They, by doing business in his house, they are no different than Judas. These people will sell the body of God. God have mercy. Through the Son, the Father made a whip and chastised those who made merchandise of his body. If you treat the house of God in a bad way, you are guilty of treating the body of the Father the same way. That is why I tell people the way you treat the house of God is how God will treat you. Listen, treat the body, the church of God is the body of God. Be careful how we treat it in Jesus' name. If there is one thing the Father does not take lightly, it is that he is zealous for his body, his temple. This is why Judas died a horrible death. This is why some Christians in Corinth who did not honor the body of the Father died in the church. All these people died in the church. God have mercy. Let us respect the body of the Father. Let us understand when we say the Son, we are speaking about the body of the Father, the temple of the Father. That's why the Father raises up his own body. It's his body. If anybody tries to do business, if anybody tries to say it's the body of Mary, the Father will make a whip in Jesus' name and chase them out away from his body. May God have mercy upon us. I'm not saying this to scare anybody or to. But who died in the church? Those who did not respect his body. They didn't respect the body of the father. They didn't respect the son. Hallelujah. They were not fit for being in the house of God. May God help us. That's why I tell people, please. Wake up and come to the house. Sleep well before you come to the house of God. Be careful what you say in the house of God. Be careful what you're talking about. Don't do business in the house of God. Amen. Respect the body of God. It's holy. It's more. It's, uh, the father is zealous. If there's one thing that provokes the father, it's how we treat the son, his body, his temple in Jesus' name. I hope this will motivate you to, to go more carefully to his house. Show him more respect. Hallelujah. Amen. So make no mistake. The father is zealous for his temple, his flesh and blood. Through the son, the father made a whip and chastised those who made merchandise of his temple, which is his body. Hallelujah. I don't want to die like Judas. I don't want to be one of those Christians who died in the house of God. Because I disrespected the body of God. God have mercy. I didn't go to church for that. I was not saved for that in Jesus' name. But note that all these people are part of the church. They knew about the Father's greatest treasure and revelation. Which is his son, his temple, his flesh and blood. 
We need to approach this majestic truth with godly fear, with trembling and love. Hallelujah. Let us not make the Father angry by making doctrines that separate the Son from the Father. How dare we pray anything other than what the Son prayed? O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. John 17, 5. Let's say that. Let's say, Father, we thank you that you have glorified the Son with your own self. What glory does the son have? He doesn't have a son called the glory. He doesn't have a glory called the glory of the son. He doesn't have an identity called just the identity of the son. Everything about him is the father. And everything about the son is the father. You can't have one without the other. Amen. Praise God. O Father, glorify, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. He's praying for the same glory. Let's turn to Psalm chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Psalm chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. Hallelujah. Psalm chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, and against his anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Notice the kings of the earth. They separate the father from the son. Do you know that this is precisely what happened in the church councils, Nicaea, Constantinople? Do you know that a pagan king like Constantine was actually Contributing words to the development of the doctrine of the Trinity. A, a pagan king. He wanted unity in his kingdom. He didn't want division. So he himself began to, he doesn't have the Holy Ghost, he doesn't know the Bible. So when you say the doctrine of the Trinity, you are basically believing in something that a pagan king called Constantine contributed to. No, no, no. He's not an apostle. He was not with Jesus. We are built on the foundation of the prophets and apostles, not Roman emperors in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So let us fulfill the prayer of Jesus by honoring him as the Father. Understand that the Father could only be glorified in the Son once the Son would be raised from the dead and conquer death. Are you with me? This, brothers and sisters, is the new glory for the Father in that he never accomplished such a thing through any other body before. So I said earlier, the Father has his glory of the creation, of creating you and me. He has been glorified for that. But now, in the body, in the Son, there was no glory of the Father. That's why Jesus prayed for it. And when was that fulfilled? When the father raised up his own body from the dead. Then everybody realized, oh, the father is in this body. And that's why, brothers and sisters, Thomas fell down and said, my Lord and my God. It was only then that he gave him the glory that you give the glory to the father. Are you with me now? 
Praise God. <laughs> Thomas is a good Jew. He's a good uh, theologian. What he was saying is, I, I can't believe Jesus is the father. I know him for three years, but he didn't do anything which can prove to me or help me to believe that he's the father. Jesus came back for him because Jesus knew the guy is struggling. Imagine everybody else knows Jesus is the father except this guy. And he's one of the 12. How is he going to go and witness to people? How? Can I witness about something that I have not seen? And I call myself a person? It must have been painful at that time for Thomas to come to church and he knows I'm the only one who doesn't believe Jesus is the father. I'm the only one who was not there. But they all keep saying that they saw Jesus raise up. And I'm sorry, but uh, I, I, I cannot go around and preach Jesus rose up from the dead because that would mean he is God. He has the glory of the father. He conquered death. He has eternal life. That's a big thing for me to believe in, Thomas was saying. So, so look, I love Jesus and I will come to church, but uh, don't expect me to shout hallelujah and amen until I have the same revelation as you guys. So can I come to your church? I think Peter just, you know, like today, Peter picked up his mobile phone and said, Thomas, I know you're struggling, yeah? People are going to call you Doubting Thomas in the future. But let me tell you, I love you. And since I have been given the keys, I'm your leader. Just come to church. Come to church. Always invite people to church. Even though they, they haven't seen what you have seen. <laughs> because suddenly, one day, Jesus will appear. He will appear through the walls. He will appear through the concrete the, and the, the cement and the bricks of our doubt, hallelujah, he will come through and say, shalom, hallelujah. And that was it. <laughs> Amen. Ah, some wonderful things happen in church. Come to church. And there, Jesus looked at Thomas and said, Thomas, come here. Hallelujah. Jesus will always call you out to the altar. Sometimes the pastor may love to call Thomas. Say, Thomas, Jesus is here. You don't need to say. Let Jesus call Thomas out. <laughs> Jesus knows who to call out to the altar. Thomas, because Jesus knew there was only one guy there who does not believe that Jesus is the father, that he is God, that he raised himself up from the dead. They said, come here, put your finger in here. Why? He wants him to see that in fact, he has now the glory of the Father. He has now the glory of the Father. That's why Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Hallelujah, praise God. It is only in the resurrection that you can know Jesus is God. I think the Christian world, I'm afraid to say, has not fully understood this point. I preach many times about when they tell me, how do we know? Where did Jesus say he's God? He doesn't need to say he's God. He just needs to raise himself up from the dead. Do you understand? That's why. Why did they crucify him? Because he said, you will see me. Hallelujah. Sitting at the right hand of power. They said, what? This guy, he's saying that he has power over the day of resurrection. The day of judgment. That's what 
they understood him to be saying, and Jews know only the Father has that power. And Jesus gave them a sign again. They accepted that sign. Hallelujah. Destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up. This is my sign to you. If a person can believe Jesus rose up from the dead, it should not be difficult to believe he is God himself. Amen. Because he didn't say somebody else will raise him up. He said, I will raise myself. How does a dead person raise himself up? Unless whatever is in him can never die. Amen. So what was in Jesus is the father. But the father had to do something for the son to be glorified. Are you with me? He had to do something. So the greatest work Jesus ever did is to raise himself up from the dead. There is nothing greater. That is why the rest of his appearances, 500 people Jesus appeared to. He said, I was he that liveth and was dead and am alive. Ah, Jesus cannot stop speaking about this. This is the greatest testimony of Jesus. He conquered death. He smashed death. He raised himself up from the dead. Oh, wow, praise God. He's the father. He has glorified. The father has glorified the son. Come on. I hope you're understanding what I'm saying. We want to rejoice in what Jesus does for us. Good. But understand the greatest thing Jesus. If you say Jesus gave me a job, you will lose that job. But someday or they will pension you off. Jesus healed me. Yes, but one day some disease will kill you. Or old age will kill you. You will say, oh, God protected me from an accident. You cannot escape the accident of death. The greatest thing God does for all of us, brothers and sisters, is he gives, he uses his power to help us conquer death. Because he conquered death. Hallelujah. Amen. And he gives us eternal life. Don't forget this. Amen. This is the greatest gift of God. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, so that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, come on, but have hmm, everlasting life. Oh, praise God. Ah, we're ready to go to heaven now. Come, Jesus. We've passed from death to life. That's why baptism in Jesus' name means so much to us. We must preach to people and tell them, listen, through baptism, you will now experience this. You have access to Jesus' power of the Father to raise you up from the dead and give you eternal life. What is greater than that? What is greater than that? What is more greater than that? There's nothing greater. There will come a day for all of us that all we have left to look forward to is the resurrection. Is the resurrection from the dead. And eternal life through Christ Jesus. Amen. As the years go by, we have two months until 2023 is over. We are one year closer to experiencing Jesus' power as the Father to conquer death. Hallelujah. Give us eternal life. What is greater than that? What is great? In a world of death, Israel is raining down death on Gaza. 
Putin is raining down death on uh, Ukraine. We live in a world of death. Yeah. I'm not now passing judgments, although I hope we all, <laughs> you know, we understand what's going on. And I, I, I don't want to uh, contaminate today's message with any of this. But I'm speaking about we are called to preach the gospel to Palestinians, to Israelis, to uh, Ukrainians, to Russians. Listen. Hallelujah. Bombs kill, but Jesus gives life, eternal life. We are afraid, oh, there's a war. That's a horrible way to die. I'll tell you what, there is no nice way to die. But there is one fantastic way to live forever through Jesus Christ. He is the Father. Hallelujah. The Father has glorified himself in the Son. Amen. He did his job. He finished his job. Amen. Thomas called him my Lord and my God because he knew the Father dwelt in this body since the Father alone was a master of life and death. In fact, this is the reason the Lord constantly reminded John the Revelator that he had conquered death. Revelation 1.18 says, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. See, he's saying, I, I, I. He didn't say the Father raised me. I was there. The Father sent me. The Father... He's saying, I, I, I. Come on. Trinitarians love to say, uh, you know, uh, the father sent him, sent, sent, sent. Well, here there is no sending. There is no, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. If you are believing in the Trinity, you are robbing Jesus of his testimony. I'm sorry to make such a, a brutal uh, and, and uh, devastating attack, but that's the reality of what you're saying. You are denying Jesus his own testament. He said, destroy this temple in three days. I will raise it up. Now he's saying, I live forever. I am he that liveth, was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore. There's nobody else involved in this. So the prayer of the son has been answered. Can we say the prayer of the son has been answered? The father has now been glorified in the son. Amen. We began with John 17, 5. Let me conclude, summarize it. I delved into the intricate prayer of Jesus where he beseeches the father to glorify him with the same divine glory they shared before the world's creation. Not even shared. It was the same glory. As we continued, the text unraveled, traditional interpretations blown out of the way. Why? Because we showed the Father and the Son have the same glory, the same self. Can you say the same self? The same self. Amen. The Father's ultimate glory as the Son is showcased through his power over death and eternal life. This glory was demonstrated when Jesus resurrected himself after three days. Amen. I also mentioned how when we talk about the temple in Jerusalem, Jesus was talking about his body. And Jesus showed that the temple is actually his body. And he as a father was chasing them out 
because they were doing, uh, they, they were uh, disrespecting, they were irrever irreverent towards his body. And then he said, in three days, I will raise it up and show you people that he is the father. Hallelujah. So I stress the importance again of acknowledging Jesus as both the son and the father. We need to honor him with this profound and divine truth. Jesus bless you.